0: Some, you probably forgot some, and we'll add some new things to it. But this goes well with what we talked about this morning and also our blessed theme. With our blessed theme this year, we're going to learn how to be blessed, but we're also going to learn the opposite of that. Uh, being blessed is what to do, being cursed is what not to do. And we can learn from both sides of the coin and so (coughs) tonight we'll look at the second half of the the scripture let's stand for the reading of god's word let's read the whole section luke chapter 12 verses 43 through 47 and let's read it together ready (coughs) blessed is that servant whom his lord when he cometh Shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant ...will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will... Shall be beaten with many stripes, let's pray, Lord, we ask you now to open our hearts, open the eyes of our understanding that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law and Lord, we desperately want to be that blessed servant. Uh, that means we also need to learn how to not be this unfaithful servant and you put both of these Examples together in the same story is a powerful truth, and today we do the same. We look at one in the morning, the other in the evening, and we ask that you'd give us good understanding. And Lord, not just that we would increase our knowledge, but that we would apply these things to our lives, whose wisdom to be more like thee. We ask for the Holy Spirit to do His work of teaching and sanctifying for Jesus' sake. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Our Lord gave us this parable contrasting two servants in this passage of Scripture. The first servant mentioned was faithful to his master's commands. As a result, he was blessed and rewarded. In contrast, the second servant in the parable was unfaithful. He failed his master in spirit and in action and therefore he was punished i ask us tonight which servant would you like to be i think everybody here who's serious would say i want to be the blessed servant and of course that's the right choice i trust all of us desire to be faithful servants our lord's given us so many blessings and we are indebted to him eternally in so many ways every sincere believer yearns to please the lord yet so many fail why is it that so many fail to be that blessed faithful servant why is it that we who desire to please the lord we have good days and bad days we feel with the apostle paul the things i would i do not the things i would not that i do We have that battle of the flesh and spirit of seeking to please the Lord, and yet sometimes we disappoint ourselves and our Lord and even others. This passage of Scripture reveals the problem of stewardship. And I'll show you that this unfaithful steward, he failed for one basic reason, and that reason is selfishness. He got filled with himself. He, he took his eyes off of his mission. He forgot what his master wanted, and he began to do what he wanted. He began to do what would make him happy. This is the desire of all of our flesh. In order to become the blessed servant, we must rein in our selfish desires. Selfishness is common to every human Selfishness is one of the eldest children of the mother sin of pride. It's a powerful tool of the sin nature. Selfishness is when you put self first. Selfishness demands preeminence. It begs. It screams. It cries. It manipulates. It bargains. It whines to get what it wants with no thought Of the cost. It grieves me so badly that the world today, especially children, are taught that the most important thing in their lives is for them to be happy. Well, doing what makes you feel good now might hurt more than anything you've ever imagined later. The path to, to happiness and joy is not selfishness. It's selflessness. And the scripture teaches that clearly. The humans left to themselves are selfish. Children are born with selfishness imprinted on their hearts. One of the very first words every child utters is the word mine as they claim what belongs to them. After you hear mama, dada, mine, then there's another word that comes along, No. No, and sometimes you see young parents in the oh my child just told me no and at first it's cute it doesn't stay cute for long Amen. you say well what, what do you do when my kid tells me no you teach them that telling you no is a very bad idea <laughs> and there's a lot of ways you can do that the selfishness is imprinted on the heart of every human from the Time we're in the womb. Unrestricted selfishness grows over a lifetime into a consuming cancer of soul and spirit. Selfishness cares not for duty. It scoffs at the needs of others. It mocks the commandments of God. It cares about nothing but how it feels and getting what it wants. Selfishness seeks to install self, and when I say self, I'm talking about you. My selfishness wants to sit on the throne of my heart. It wants to become the all-powerful ruler of Paul Chapman and rule like a god, getting what it wants, when it wants, why it wants, where it wants, regardless of the cost. That is the sin nature that is the sinful self but here's the problem there's only one god and it's not you and it's not me god wants to sit on the throne of my heart god wants to be the lord of my life when i allow selfishness to rise up and i Take over my life, seeking to fulfill my desires. I push God away from his rightful position and I challenge his almighty authority. It's not a good idea. God alone is worthy of all worship, honor, and praise so we can see that selfishness is the enemy of God. I don't have to preach a whole sermon to get you to understand that. I think everybody in here would say, sure, selfishness is the enemy of God. It's the destroyer of lives. We have to recognize it as our enemy. We have to remove it from our lives. We have to reject selfishness every time it rears its ugly head in our hearts and mind. In any form, jealousy, envy, comparison, frustration, uh, pride, all of these things well up. It's all just different elements of selfishness. But only when we put God in the rightful place in our hearts can we have the life God intended. And only then can we become that blessed servant. Blessed is the servant. And I want you to see one amazing fact in this portion of Scripture. I presented this story as a contrast of two different stewards because that's how most people read the Scripture. But this parable does not describe two different people. There's only one person mentioned in these verses. This parable offers two possible futures of the same man. Let me show it to you. Look at verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he, God, will make him, or his master... Him, the servant ruler over all that he hath. Verse 45, but and if... What's the next two words? That That servant. What servant? The one we were just talking about. But and if that servant. But if the guy who was once faithful, the guy who had the opportunity, the guy who had risen through the ranks to become steward by his very loyalty and by his very faithfulness... If that steward, if that servant, read on. But if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men's servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and be drunken, and so on. This parable warns against the possibility of a faithful steward degenerating into an unfaithful steward. It shows a regression of backsliding that results in unfaithfulness to God. And as I preach tonight, my mind's buzzing with names and faces of people I knew who were once faithful to God. Who once won souls. Who once sat in these very pews or pews like them across our nation who once preached messages or listened to preaching and said, amen, that's right, who taught Sunday schools and ran buses and and, and worked in the nursery and were ushers and servants of every kind, children's ministry workers and and prison ministry and, and nursing home ministry, just servants of every kind. Listen to me, dear friend. There's not a one of us that is immune from this possibility. If we allow the flesh to rise up, if we allow selfishness to take control, there is not a one of us, you, me included, that could not end up like this unfaithful servant. We've got to understand that. We've got to know it. Pastor Jerry Ross used to say that a Christian ought to always run a little bit scared. Not that you're afraid of what might happen to you, but that you're afraid of what you might do. There's Nothing our flesh isn't capable of. You say, oh, I would never do that. You'd be shocked at what you would do given the right circumstances. Can't tell you how many times people sit in my office weeping after detailing some sin and the destruction that came after it, saying, I never thought I would do this. I never thought it would go that far. I never thought. That's the flesh our flesh will stab us in the back and slit our throat to get what it wants it doesn't care about you or your future doesn't care about your marriage doesn't care about your children doesn't care about your reputation it wants what it wants when it wants it and it doesn't care how much it costs that is the reality of our flesh and that's why we have to put off the old man and put off the new man we have to not give provision to the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof we have to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh and god help us because every day we go to bed right with god we wake up and that flesh is right there and it seems to get more sleep than the righteous man i tell you (laughs) at least at least in my life sometimes it wakes up a, a little more raring to go But this parable warns against a faithful steward degenerating into an unfaithful steward. It offers two possibilities for your future. And we get to choose which possibility becomes reality by the choices that we make. This selfishness in the unjust steward expressed itself in five sins made by the unfaithful steward and these are the same mistakes that plague christians who are heading the wrong way today and let's learn from the mistakes of this unreliable servant so we can break the cycle of selfishness and become that blessed servant let me give you five thoughts tonight number one dishonest character dishonest character look back at Luke chapter 12 verse 45 but and if that servant watch this say in his heart my Lord delayeth his coming first we notice that this man's first step towards sin was taken in his heart isn't that always the way it is your heart changes long before your outside changes Uh, and The real battle has to be fought in the heart. Sometimes I talk to people and it's like, uh, how are you doing spiritually? I just sense that you're not doing very well. I'm still going to church. That's not the question I ask. How are you doing spiritually? How's how's your relationship with God? I I still do this. I still read my Bible. That's not what I asked. How is your relationship with God? Well, you know, I still the heart changes before anything else changes. And that's why we have to catch it in the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Sin always begins in the heart. Long before sin is visible in our actions, it corrupts what is unseen. But we can see it. We can see it in the countenance. We can see it in the the passion that is now lost. We can see it in the, the emotion that was once there that's now missing. It's actually not too hard to tell whether someone is doing well with the Lord or not after you get past that initial wall, that initial facade that everybody puts up. And we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. Sometimes I have to, I have to tell myself, you're not where you need to be with the Lord. And that's how you keep it from getting any worse is saying, whoa, we got to put on the brakes. Something's not right here. Something's wrong in my spirit. I'm just not feeling connected. I'm I'm just not, I didn't really feel like going to church today. I didn't feel like I, I, I prayed, but but it just didn't feel like I connected. What's going on? This temptation is bothering me more than than it normally would. What's happening here? We have to be brutally honest with ourselves so we can stop the sin in our heart before it gets to the outside. Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, as I said. Keep thy heart, protect thy heart, guard thy heart. Why? For out of it are the issues or everything else that comes with life everything in our lives starts with the condition of our heart the falsehood that tripped up the servant was simple he believed that since his master was not coming soon his absence gave the unfaithful servant permission to do whatever he wanted see character is what you are when nobody's looking One man said character is parenting yourself. Sometimes as children and teenagers, we say, oh, you just treat me like a kid. You just, when are you going to let me? Well, when you start acting like it. That's maturity's not an age. It's an attitude and a set of actions. And so parenting yourself, if you know your mom wants you to clean your room, your dad told you to clean your room, why don't you clean it yourself? You know that you left a mess behind, why don't you clean it yourself? You know that a job needs done, why don't you do it yourself? That's what adults do, that's what mature people do. The Bible warns against being the type of worker that only works hard when someone's watching. You got to work hard when no one's watching, why? Because God's working. We got to strive to be holy when no one is watching because God is watching. And this man's character was corrupted first. And don't forget this statement. Dishonest character requires supervision. Dishonest character requires supervision. Better watch him. Better not leave that out. You better not. I was dealing with a situation some time ago when, where the a child would steal money from his parents. If he left any money out, he'd be gone. And then they'd lie about it forever. Worse than that, they would go in to mom's purse and get in her wallet and get money. Take things that didn't belong to them and sell it. That's a tough situation. Better watch that guy. Better watch that girl. But isn't it nice to have people where they're just going to do what needs to be done? You don't have to babysit him, you don't have to worry about it. I often tell people, I never really learned how to work until I was self-employed. Because then I didn't have someone write me a paycheck based on my hours, I had people paying me based on the job. And if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. And if the job wasn't good enough, I didn't get paid. That'll straighten out some things, right? It'll fix some character issues. People talk about being a self-starter get up why you have to have somebody wake you up get up you have to have somebody tell you what to do repeatedly what about the things and here's the danger this man had gotten the place of stewardship by a long-standing testimony of faithfulness you don't get to be steward unless you're faithful he was a leader of leaders here's the danger he had good character to get the position but after he had the position, his character began to change. And, folks, if you've been serving God for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, there's always a danger that your character could change. There's always a danger that we could begin giving in to the flesh. And this dishonest character only does what's required while the boss is around. It performs for the eyes of men, but it is lazy, selfish, dishonest when no one is looking. The Bible warns us against that. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, servants be obedient unto them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God, From the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not unto men. This selfish servant's first mistake was dishonest character. He allowed his character to lapse. Number two, he began to abuse his privilege. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 45 again. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, Look at the next phrase, and shall begin to beat the men, servants, and maidens. His job was to not just manage the possessions, but as the steward, he had a lot of people working underneath him, as I said, earned over a period of time of faithfulness. This man was clearly a leader of other servants. But over time, he began to abuse the people that worked for him. He began to abuse the people that were placed within his trust. Let me give you a statement that you should never forget. People are more important than things. People are more important than things. If you can't be trusted to take care of people, you certainly can't be trusted to take care of things. Because people are more important than things. He also began to be treacherous against the trust that the master had put into him. It's true, leadership has privileges. Being the boss comes with some perks. If you own the company, you have some perks. If you're the supervisor, you have some privileges that other people don't have. Don't abuse that. It's one of the quickest ways to Lose the privilege of being in charge, of of being entrusted with more responsibility. Good leaders learn to bear the responsibility of privileges without abusing them. We got to make sure we're not abusing. We must strive to be the one that others will trust with their most precious possessions because we're honest and honorable. How do you treat people? One of the best ways to get to know someone's character is watch how they treat their servants. We don't have servants today, but how do you treat the waitress? How do you treat the person checking you out at the grocery store? How do you treat the elderly? How do you treat the poor? How do you treat those that are younger than you? How do you treat your children? How do you speak to people? How do you treat your wife, sir? All of this gets down to who we are on the inside. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Amen? He cares for the sheep. A pastor, by calling, is a shepherd. A husband, by position, Is the shepherd of the family. Parents are the shepherd of the children. The shepherd will give his life for the sheep. But a hireling don't care for the sheep, they just want the paycheck. And so we have to understand that we are all called to be shepherds of sorts. How will you treat people? When I was in Bible college, it was a large ministry, and students would get promoted to different areas of responsibility and would often have students underneath them. And there were some student leaders who truly misused the other students that were under them. They would overwork them, make them feel guilty if they didn't do this or that. I decided as a young man in college that the most important thing put under my trust was the people that I got to serve in ministry and the people that I got to work with. Brother Howells taught us this don't use your people to build your work, use your work to build your people. What does that mean? Don't hurt people. To build something for you, whether it be a company or a church. Don't don't treat people as if they're expendable. But rather use the work, use the church to build the people. People are the most precious things that we ever get to take care of. And the second mistake of this man is he began to abuse his privilege and began to abuse the people that were under him. We see number three. His third mistake. Look at Luke chapter twelve, verse forty-five. But if that servant say in his heart, My lord delayeth this coming, and shall begin to beat men servants and maidens. Look at the next phrase, and to eat and drink. You say, What's well, not sinful to eat and drink? Of course not. And no doubt the master made provision for his servants to eat and drink. But the implication in this verse is that the unfaithful servant ate and drank to excess. He used his position to take more than it was allotted to him and wasted it on himself. He began to pleasure himself with the master's goods. And we've got to be careful of this because... God gives us all things to take care of, and our default setting is to be wasteful. The human default setting is to be wasteful. And this was the third mistake, is a waste of resources. We would go into Chicago on the weekends, and it would amaze me how you could be in one area of Chicago that was beautiful and pristine, and you just go a little bit ways away and you cross a certain street or you cross a set of tracks and it was like you just entered a different world the same thing's true in providence and other cities and people didn't seem to care they didn't care about the resources they didn't care that there was trash on the ground they didn't care that their windows open while the community was paying for the heat they didn't care that they were throwing away buckets of food because they didn't pay for it anyway. They didn't care. They, they didn't care how they treated one another. It was just a, a very wasteful experience. Children tend to be very wasteful. We in our normal state, the flesh is wasteful. We, we want all we can use whatever we can, and then throw the rest away, not caring if anybody else gets it. And this man had a waste of resources. The Bible warns us against this. We must resist the selfish impulse to take what God has not allowed it to us, and then we should be good stewards of what he's given us. First Corinthians 10.31, Whether for you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, Do all to the glory of God. We see the fourth mistake. Notice the last phrase in verse 45. And to be drunken. Oh, he was not only wasteful of resources, but he abused them all the way to drunkenness. And here we see the surrender to sin. This is the fourth step on the road to unfaithfulness. Once you've made the other allowances, it's only a matter of time until the sin starts to take hold of you. It's possible for a once faithful saint to become burdened by the very sin that they once had victory over. Proverbs 14, 14 says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Consider this. The process of backsliding is deceitfully slow. Nobody wakes up in a good marriage one day and says, I'm going to blow up my marriage. That's not how it works. Nobody... Is in a good place in life and says, You know what I want to do? I want to become an alcoholic. You know what I want to do? I want to become a drug addict. You know what I want to do? I just want to become such a big jerk that nobody can stand to be around me. It happens deceitfully slow, little by little, little by little. until it happens all of a sudden. Right? Remember we said it all happens and it all starts in the heart. It builds and, builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds till now all of a sudden you can see it on the outside. It wasn't a dramatic change, it was a very slow change on the inside. But eventually Sin burrows its wicked roots into our lives, sapping our strength, stealing our joy, only to rear its ugly head. And the strength you once had to say no is gone. You thought you were playing with it, but now sin is playing with you. And you've lost control. And ultimately there's a surrender to sin we see dishonest character abuse of privilege waste of resources surrender to sin and then lastly dereliction of duty this is the final step in the progression of unfaithfulness taught by our Lord look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 47 and that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. He knew what to do. This unfaithful servant knew exactly what his master wanted him to do. And he didn't do it anyway this is called presumptuous sin there are sins of ignorance and there are sins of presumption just like there is a premeditated murder and a murder that happens a terrible event that happens out of an outburst of emotion it wasn't planned some sins are not planned we're just not ready the flesh is weak or the, the The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, as Christ said. We're just not ready. Maybe we haven't been walking with God. Maybe we put ourselves in a bad situation. We didn't plan it. Temptation comes boom. Ah, I can't believe we did that. That kind of sin's bad enough. But there's another type of sin that's like a premeditated murder. I know what God says, I know what God wants. But I don't care. That, dear friend, is the worst kind of sin. And the Bible says God judges. One of the the measures in which Christ will judge us is based upon our knowledge of His will. Look at verses 47 and 48 again, finally. And that... Servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Verse 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Why? For unto whomsoever much is given, of him much is required. And to whom men have committed much, they will ask the more. God says, I expect more from the people who know more of what I expect. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to be in a church that teaches you the Bible. But can I say there's a downside to being in a church that teaches you the Bible? Is we are more accountable than those who don't have the truth. Now, it's not a terrible thing because we know the truth, we have the opportunity to obey and receive greater blessings and eternal rewards. But if we ever get filled with ourselves and if we ever choose to backslide, the cost is much higher. That's right. Those of you that were born in Christian homes, There's more expected of you. I tell my kids, they don't have the baggage that a lot of people have. And they're going to grow up and make their own decisions. I can't make them serve the Lord. When they're out of my house, they're going to make their own decisions, and they're going to have to live and die by the decisions they made. And Lord willing, we've given them everything they need to know, but ultimately they have to act on it. But would you, would you, as someone who was born in a Christian home and had parents that taught you the truth from your mother's belly, do you want to stand before the Lord and explain why you didn't serve Him? Amen. That's right. And maybe the person who was just at the judgment seat before you was born in a harlot's home and gave his life to Christ and followed God for his whole life. The person whose dad was a drunkard and beat him every other night, he served the Lord. The person in a Muslim country who, on pain of death, his own father would have used his hands to strangle the life out of him, and he decided to serve Jesus, and we didn't decide to serve him because the lights in Vegas are bright and they know how to make a good sign. Well, that beer slogan sure was something. Well, you see, I had a friend. There's more expected of us. And while no Christian parent can determine the fate of their children, it should be the desire of every Christian parent for their children to serve the Lord. And my heart breaks with some of you in the room who... Your children have decided to go another way. You may be weeping with me one day, God forbid, if, if one of my children decide to do that. All we can do is teach them the truth, but, but Christian child, Christian teenager, Christian young adult, you've got to stand on your own two feet you're going to give an account to God. And it's not going to be mama's fault. It's not going to be daddy's fault. It's not going to be the preacher's fault. It's not going to be the church's fault. It's not going to be the town's fault. It's not going to be Baptist's fault. It's not going to be anybody's fault but yours. And it's not going to be anybody's fault but mine. That's right. Because Jesus Christ in this parable said, I'm giving you two possible futures. Everybody in the room. You have two possible futures. You can be that blessed servant. Uh Amen. Boy, life is blessed. Not easy, but blessed. Oh, but if you're not careful, you and I could be that unfaithful servant. And life gets very, very hard. The good news is God gives us, each one of us, the supernatural power to choose him. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to follow him. And if you're here today or you're watching online and maybe you went the wrong way for a bit, maybe you had the truth, maybe you went the wrong way, maybe you made bad choices, I'm glad to tell you that it's never too late to turn to Jesus. It is never too late to turn to Jesus. No matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what things you wish you could forget, it is never too late to turn to Jesus and he can wash all those sins white as snow and he can make you a new man, a new woman, and even use the scars of your sin as instruments of his glory as you yield to him. Because just like The blessed servant can become the unfaithful servant. Can I tell you the door swings both ways? That's right. The unfaithful servant, as long as he's breathing, can become the faithful servant. That's right. And that's that's the grace of God. That's right. Let's pray.